Good afternoon and welcome once again to Rasslin' Memories on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ. We're also available in the online world. Yes, we are. You can check us out live or go to our Rasslin' Memories page and listen to this episode if you uh, just so happen to miss us here on Saturday afternoon. That Rasslin' Memories page available as well as our stream at www.radionorthland.org. And we're available too on that big popular and free, the best part of it's free, right? Phone app. Tune in. Yeah, join. we joined the family. We have all stations, and you can listen to Rasslin' Memories live and in the moment. George Shire is out this week. He's a little bit under the weather. I think he was fully exhausted from uh, talking old-school wrestling programs with Mike Mooneyham last week. But anyway, you know what? While George is away recovering, I've got myself uh, a dandy, a main event of a guest. We had him on two years ago when his uh, wonderful book, Is Wrestling Fixed? I didn't know it was broken, was released, and that is a good book. If you haven't checked it out you better call somebody get somebody to hook you up with it yes uh, we have the man who wrote that book he's best known for his work on such wonderful magazines of which he was part of the editorial staff and he photographed matches too from the 1970s to the 1990s he worked for such uh western magazines like inside wrestling the wrestler and pro wrestling illustrated just to give you a a slight slight example of uh, some of the magazines he's worked on he's also done a lot of stuff uh, outside of uh the Weston after mags is what they're referred to as he's done some good stuff uh, for wow magazine in its day. He's been doing the wonderful work. Uh, you check it out in uh, visual audio format, uh, one wrestling.com. The guy just can't stop. I would love to find out where he gets his batteries from. He's the one, the only, and it's always a, a just welcome because I grew up reading this man uh, throughout the years in the 1980s when I started watching and, and, and really becoming more aware of professional wrestling He's the man. He's the legend. He's Bill After. Thank you so well, much for joining you very, us. You know, I, I love that intro. So I and you said everything. I have nothing to talk about. It's been great being on Pioneer ninety point one. And have a nice. I'll see you at the matches. <laughs> <laughs> no, Glenn. Thank you. So I was waiting for my return. What took you so long? It's been two years. Well, I think the the fact that we just you know we're, you have such a busy life, I have we have such uh, busy careers. I just think our lines didn't cross. But you know what? We're making good on it right now, so we can, we can live in the moment and we can forget about the excuses of the past. There now you used a, a four letter word uh, in your introduction that uh, is is a wonderful four letter word. It's spelled F R E E free, so people can hear this for free. That's a good four-letter word. Oh, that's the best four-letter word, uh, I, I think. Yes. Uh, yeah, free, free, or you can use uh, almost like a, a take on the WWE network. You can say free 99 minus the 99. Well, well some people can't say three. They say it's uh, free 99, meaning 399. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So but uh, you mentioned the uh, WWE network, and uh, just, I think, two or three weeks ago, um, they debuted the uh, Medusa documentary, and uh, I was the talking head on that, and it was taped um, in 2014. Oh wow! It, they just yeah, they just uh, they just aired that. But as soon as I hear, you know, you, someone from Minnesota uh, call me, Medusa is always one of my favorite people that I got to know so well uh, back in the AWA days when she was there, and I. 
just did her podcast. It should be on in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Now she just launched. Uh, she just launched this podcast. I, I, I heard rumblings of, of of a podcast, but now Medusa is in. Well, you know what? Medusa is one who is, uh, is very shy on the mic. She you know, she can handle herself, and I I think the uh, the thought of her doing a podcast is wonderful, and I'll have to check oh, it's it great. out. It's great. She's got a really. She, it's been on for a, for for quite a while at this point. So uh, uh, people, after you finish listening to this uh, interview, go to. Uh, uh, find her on Twitter, and every episode is listed. Mm, that's an excellent way to get in touch and, and, and check out a few episodes. But, you know, the, the pro wrestling landscape, especially in the world of podcasts, my, there's, it seems like you, you need to create almost like some uh, sort of cloning device so where you can listen to all of it or have and have the other uh, versions of you doing the work because, boy, in the last five years... I've noticed that an influx of uh, of, of podcasts uh, and and radio programs dedicated to pro wrestling and boy, and and, and let me tell you, there it sometimes it was it gets very difficult to pick out just because of time restraints because there is so many out there, but there's also so many good ones out there these days. Oh, yeah, you know, I was doing one with uh, Nick Houseman from WrestleZone for about twenty four weeks, and the uh, and I had a lot of great guests and all that, but it became such uh, an imposition at times. Uh, of the the time element that I don't have that I wish I had to you know just uh, stay in after's alley and do this all the time mm-hmm. but the the podcast uh, arena has become probably um, the most competitive uh, online trying to grab people's ears than uh, anything at this point. Oh, most most true because I'm looking. I mean, you got networks popping up. You know, you have Jericho doing stuff with the podcast One Network, and then branching off and and getting shows for Raven and Lance Storm and Don Callis, for an example. And then there's the MLW Radio Network. I mean, just just a couple of examples that Court Bauer is doing. And you've noticed if you go onto their site, they they have everything from Hacksaw Duggan and Sean Mooney to Kevin Sullivan to Jim Cornette. I mean, just on there is the smorgasbord. Enough. Same with the the Jericho. Uh, network as well and then you have some of these other ones you I mean the arcadian vanguard is one that's come out the uh in the last year year and a half about uh, put together by brian last who does yes. the uh 605 super podcast he but also you know, uh do you know which podcast draws more listens than any other one and it surprised me when i first heard it but now that i've listened to a few of them i get it mm-hmm. i'm gonna know who that is i'm gonna put a guess out there go ahead I, and I'm I, and because I've enjoyed these too, and I I, I definitely bring it up. I'm going to say Bruce Pritchard. Am I close? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. He gets the most listens to, of any podcast at all, and they're great. They're great. He he goes back and he doesn't hold anything back. See the thing with me, I, I was approached a few times about doing that style podcast where you don't hold anything back, mm-hmm. but uh, that's never been my style. I, I've never. You know, I've never gone into the whole, uh, um, I don't want to use the word exposing, but opening up about everything that happened in the past. Uh, I think some things are still, uh, to me, sacred to kind of uh, uh, talk about, to not talk about, because I was there personally and I gave people my word that I would never, you know, uh, open up about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. That's why my book is Wrestling Fixed. I didn't know it was broken. And Jim Cornette's quote was, that damn book after didn't bury anyone. What the hell's the matter with him? <laughs> 
But you're you're shooting from the hip, though. I mean, you were. You're, you, I mean, it's almost like the way people want to have a, a good vision of what the kayfabe era was was all about. And, and and some like to go get the dirty laundry, but you know what? It's all right too. If just to remember these moments, like the moments that you were captured in your magazines in the seventies and the eighties. And that's what I liked about your podcast, Bill, because it was different. It was different. It was a, a layout as far as what you did with your concept of how you put it together with elements of it being like you were putting together a magazine, whether it would exactly. be an inside wrestling or pressing illustrated right mentality. And eventually once I find the, the right network, um, we'll bring it back again. I don't know in what form, I don't know if it'll be Nick and I, I don't know if it'll be me, um, and some of the old magazine voices doing columns. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's really what my, my goal was at the beginning of this thing to make it a, an on air magazine. And it was doing okay numbers. It wasn't doing the numbers that were shooting it through the walls, but mm-hmm. then we did have a, a very dedicated fan base who were fans of the old school magazines and those are the people that supported it Mm -hmm. and and i really did enjoy it but the elements i did like because you did modern interviews which which were really good with some of the guys you you, i mean (laughs) i remember one that come to mind you you talked with uh, manny fernandez you've talked with other legends uh, i think it was dory funk uh, jr who rarely rarely does interviews as well bill after why are you bothering me <laughs> yeah, it was one of those interviews. Like I said, I rarely have ever heard a Dory Funk interview like that. I mean, you played an archival one, and then you had another interview with him just nowadays. Yeah. And, and Dory, from what I hear, he's still he's still up and dons the tights here once in a while uh, at his does. age. He does, but uh, the beautiful thing about that is that nobody asked him to talk. He's a really good talker. And the other one who no one really heard talk was Alpha. From the Wild Samoans, yes. and you know, he he's he said to me, he says, I I don't really talk. I said, just let me interview you. What it's not, it's not an interview. Uh, what it's going to be is a chat between two old bodies. Mm-hmm. And, and with that mentality, um, it's just a whole different type of interview. Mm-hmm. And I like it because you're not going in with just a barrage of questions. You're hitting that comfort zone with these guys because you have known them off and on through the years and you're able to get them to kind of coax them, get them out of their shell. Guys, again, Offa, yeah. for example, that I was very surprised and pleasantly surprised to hear that one. Also, when you interviewed Andre the Giant's daughter, I mean, these were interviews I haven't really she heard. set that up, actually. She, she had a, a, approached Nick. Uh, I have a classic interview with uh, which is on YouTube with Frank Valois, who was Andre's first uh, road manager. So if people go to YouTube again after they listen to this magnificent podcast, um, if they'll go to YouTube and put in Bill Apter uh, uh, interviews uh, Frank Valois, V-A-L-O-I-S, about Andre the Giant, they can, uh, they can see that. And you've been doing a lot of good stuff here, I mean, and not only with the podcast and other stuff. You've been working with OneWrestling.com. How many yes. years now has it been uh, for you at the at, with One Wrestling? Got to be because uh, they were one of the original sites. Yeah, I can uh, remember that way back early probably, on. I would say about fourteen years now, or maybe more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, fourteen to fifteen years, and the uh, you know people keep saying to me that I uh, I, I I helped uh, create a lot of things uh, in the business, and one thing that people don't really realize is that I brought audio interviews classic audio interviews that i still have hundreds of cassettes of classic audio interviews 
onto that website, but I was the first guy that did video interviews on a pro wrestling uh, website. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you have a, I mean, you have amassed quite the the collection of people are going to go to the site. And that is it still www.onewrestling.com? Anything changed yes, with number one? Not number the, one. Not the uh, not the the word. Yes, it's still there. Mm-hmm. It's still there. And all the videos are housed on www.onewrestlingvideo.com. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed too. I, I've seen some of your stuff on YouTube as well. So you other other social media platforms. That's the video part that's the know. video part yeah yeah and i, I want to uh, get into a few items of interest uh, first of all you know I, I like to schmooze the guest a little bit and when this show airs it will be october 21st now if my memory serves me correctly here sir that's one day before you celebrate what your 35th birthday am, am i correct 30, 37 okay yeah. see uh, there i go i i wanted to make you no, a- I, listen i'm i'm not uh, i i because I overdosed on Jerry Lewis movies growing up, mm-hmm. um, uh, I'm, st- I'm still nine, but I'll be 72. And I'm like, really? How? I don't feel like 72. I certainly don't act like I'm 72. When I was a kid, 72 was, hey, where's the grave, honey? Mm-hmm. No. Until I can't mentally or physically do this anymore, I'm still going to be doing it. And, and and there's just been such a, a a redefining of what it is to be in the 70s and or in your 60s. I think that that went with the baby boom of showing people to go beyond the old man. I mean, when I was younger, yeah, I I mean, I'm only 41 right now. I mean, I'm a few years older than you, of course, but I remember the uh, just a few. I, I'm the uh, old man, you know. But I remember the old guys, you know. Then I'm thinking, man. That's when well, that guy's seventy-two years old. He looks like he's a hundred and five. But no, the way things have advanced with with health and the things people can get into. Well, no, it, you know what the trick is, Glenn? Mm-hmm. I don't take care of myself. <laughs> I eat dark chocolate, uh, pizza. I drink sparkling ice beverages. Um, I'm on I'm on Tic Tacs a lot. Uh, I, I'm I'm one of the worst eaters in the whole world. Really, I think my body would be shocked. <laughs> if I had salad more than once a week, oh, man, see that everyone has their own way of uh, of keeping uh, their longevity and uh, the after method. I don't know if you're going to be uh, putting out an Austin Idol like book on uh, daily regimen anytime soon. But hey, we all well, have what we this have. This would be the anti regimen. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit more about the after files because we touched on it a little bit. You say you have uh, a lot of tapes you've amassed through the years. Now I want to talk about what kind of an archive that really is and put it in perspective of the tapes, what you've got, some of the highlights. Have you been doing a lot of uh, transferring over into digitization? I, I, what- I'm trying to find time to do that. I need to digitize them. I just put one up with uh, uh, an interview I did in uh, 1980. Five, 75 or 76 with Stan Hansen right after he broke Bruno San Martino's neck. Uh, I've got audio cassettes, the old audio cassettes, mm-hmm. uh, back from the 70s of, of uh, Bruno talking about the night he lost the title to Koloff. Oh, wow. uh, exclusive interviews with like uh, Fred Blassie, Gorilla Monsoon. I, I've got a whole probably 15 minutes with Billy Robinson and um I've also got the life story of Buddy Rogers that I did when he was in uh, Crockett's territory in 1979. I've got stuff from Florida, Texas, and um, eventually I'm hoping, eventually 
that the WWE starts an audio channel because I think that this would be invaluable to their archives. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, did uh, you notice that uh, not too long ago the network or WWE sent out their survey they, they put out here from time to time to kind of get a gauge yes. on what people would want or what people would pay for. And one of the things that came up uh, was was an audio, the idea for an audio kind of spinoff network within. And you know what? I mean, that would be just a great place to serve some archives, like the stuff that you have, because they do oh, yeah. such a good job with all of the, the remastering and the way they line them up in program form. I mean, if you're going to bring your stuff to, to a, a place to, that you know they're going to take care of your babies and, and have that platform to it. I mean, that would be just the thought of that. Oh, that, would, that would, you know, and, and when I do run them on onewrestling.com and one wrestling video, um, we get two to 400 listens or views on them. So there is a, there is a group of people that want to hear that. It's not the masses. That's for no. sure. Because uh, a lot of the fans today, unfortunately don't care about where this business came from. But that's okay, because they'll be talking when they're older about that these days are where the business came from as far as they're concerned. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. Yeah, everybody has their own way of remembering and revising history. But the way the WWE Network would go, I think that would, would be the, the setup. What would you like to see on the network, too, aside from having that audio branch? Uh, personally, if you were a, a viewer that wanted something more to the network, what would you... What would make oh, no, uh, more no, bang I, for the buck? I, I, I mean, right now, to me, it's a whole full-scale... Uh, network. Uh, I w- I did the original pilot show for what became the uh, the JBL Legends. I was the uh, mm-hmm. uh, host, and I interviewed Dusty Rhodes, Larry Zbysko, and uh, Terry Taylor. And uh, JBL wound up with the show. Um, and I would like to see a show like that again. But I'll tell you the one show now that I'm just thinking about this is I would love to have a show called WWE in character where I sit in one chair and in the other chair is uh, um, Roman Reigns and we're not talking about real stuff we're talking about storylines only all uh, kind of what you did with the uh, the, the pro wrestling illustrated stuff uh, for Crockett with the uh, yes, the press absolutely. conference segments absolutely I, and I think there are people that would love that I really do Mm-hmm. I, I think I mean you. It would bring back a little bit more. Uh, you know, again, the genie's out of the bottle and stuff. We know that about the kayfabe era, but it would bring a little something more to a younger kid who was just starting to watch it. You know, that hasn't figured it out. You just brought up. You just brought up a. a, a, a and I got to jump in here. I'm sorry, no. but you just brought up something. You said the younger kid. A lot of times when I'm walking my my uh, wonderful poodle Lexi in the morning past the bus stop, mm-hmm. the kids are talking about wrestling and they're talking about the storylines as if they are really happening so i think a lot of the kids depending upon the age would love to see a show like that because uh it's real to them Mm -hmm. and of course they're younger they got uh little hands but they can still tug at the parents uh purse strings wallet strings (laughs) wherever the wallet goes that's where the money gets invested is via those kids that that believe in the product and and, and talk about the storylines and you know they haven't hit the dirt sheets just yet in their lives so that it's a, a fun thing it's like watching a a cartoon or watching or reading a comic book you know coming to life sort of thing yeah yeah absolutely absolutely yeah but that I'd, I'd like to see uh, to see that kind of show mm-hmm. on there 
whether like, me or anyone else hosting it. And and what they're doing too, and and, and that's been making news as well. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of current topics here. Uh, while while I have the chance to uh, chat with you today, uh, I want to talk about the WWE uh, recently. Now this is this has been lined up, ready to go. They have recently brought back the Starcade name and have scheduled this for Turkey Day here coming up in uh, the month of November, uh, yes. bringing back uh, the name. This I mean, brother Starcade. When you talk about 1983, I mean a lot of people. I mean this was like the WrestleMania for the Crockett's. In oh, it was WrestleMania before WrestleMania. When I interviewed Dusty on the WWE Network, we talked about the concept for that and how uh, you know WrestleMania kind of came out of out of that. But I was at almost every Starcade. You'll see when you watch the videos, you'll see me and probably Craig Peters, one of our uh, other editors, uh, at ringside shooting pictures. And when Flair won the belt from uh, uh, Harley in in the cage. Mm-hmm. There, uh, you'll see Craig and I in the ring taking pictures, and uh, a lot of the wrestlers were wearing Pro Wrestling Illustrated uh, T-shirts. But Starcade was an institution. There were so many years um, before I was married that I missed Thanksgivings with my family because Thanksgiving to me was Starcade. And I don't. I heard a lot of the wrestlers aren't very crazy about you know being away from their families during uh, this time, but. Uh, I'm a I'm a tradition guy, and to me, tradition is Thanksgiving, but tradition is Starcade. Yeah, and before Starcade put that on the map too. I mean, nowadays it's it's been a different conditioning uh, as far as where they're on the road in regards to holidays. But before Starcade, I mean, that was taken as the big super closed circuit show that was a spinoff of a, a lot of different territories making some major bank taking advantage of a, of a, of a Thanksgiving holiday because you know sure. what? You, you sit in, you eat the turkey, you talk to the in-laws, you watch the football, you trip the fan kicks in, but you wake up and you want to go do something because you know what? Sometimes too many relatives in the building can kind of uh, you know wear on a person. So where do you, you go? You went to the wrestling, brother, and that's where it was, whether it would be in Charlotte or in, in, up in Minneapolis. I mean, these were start, these were staple shows that were great escapes for a lot of uh, the guys and the gals that love the pro wrestling. I mean, so Starcade was kind of like the big, big super show that was kind of more or less the celebration of what oh, the other things brought to the table. Absolutely. One of the, I, I mean, several years, um, the best Thanksgivings I had were at the home of uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Wrestling number two, Johnny, Johnny Walker, Walker uh, and his family and his wife, Olivia, who made all the robes for, Rick Flair and Greg Valentine and so many other people and divorced from the wrestling thing. I used to stay there over Thanksgiving weekend and she made a feast like I've never uh, to this day, never had before on mm-hmm. Thanksgivings. So every time I think of Starcade, I think of Ric Flair, I think of the Crockett territory and I think of Mr. And Mrs. Wrestling too. Mm-hmm. Now I want to talk about some of the crowds. What was some of the hottest crowd moments for you? Like when you're out there covering Starcade? No, it wasn't uh, when they announced Bill Laughter coming to the uh, down the aisle, of course. But yeah, that would get the big it. that would get a ro- Road Warriors it. pop. But I mean, what were some of the yeah, events well, you can well, remember that really were that big pop, and they were you could just feel how special it was uh, out of the Starcades that you you did get a chance to cover it, it live well, and in sca- person. The scaffold matches would get that reaction. Uh, Dusty Rhodes would get that reaction. Ric Flair would get that reaction. Roddy Piper um, in that uh, dog collar chain match with uh, Greg Valentine would get that reaction. Yeah, so there's a lot of great stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And it's been coming up here. Uh, we're coming out on uh, Starcade 1987, 30 years ago. Now, this was one I mean, a lot of people have gone back and they, they have their thoughts on this. Uh, a lot of people look back at, at this being a, a kind of a folly of sorts for Jim Crockett Promotions that they and they thought it was a mistake of bringing the show to Chicago after having it many years be in more of the NWA, you know, comfortable hotspots where you can guarantee a hot crowd like your Charlotte's yeah. or even your Baltimore's if you like. But I mean, uh, we're talking about uh, going to Chicago and also not only do you have this going out of your usual base, you're, you're also fighting McMahon when it comes to getting eyes to your product via the pay-per-view uh, uh, element. So it, sure, but it was uphill I, for those guys. If, if I were Jim Crockett promotions at that point, I would be going into those other territories during the year, but Starcade should have been in Charlotte or Greensboro. Mm-hmm. That, that that that's that's home. That's tradition. Yeah, and 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 the event. What was it in the UIC Pavilion? I don't know if there's a bad omen on that building because of what two years, maybe a year. No, well, was about a year later. Was uh, an AWA folly of sorts. Uh, the big stab at pay per view. That kind of was the, uh, it had to be a, one of the major coffin nails of the promotion, uh, kind of shutting it down, and was a Super Clash 3, and you can remember yes, that event. I was there. I was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked, I talked a little bit about Super Clash 3 with uh, Gary Michael Capetta. We touched on it uh, just a little bit. I, by the way, I love Gary. Gary's got a great book, and I always told Gary, I said, when he first started out, he reminded me of the Chipmunks, and he said, what do you mean? I said, and now, ladies and gentlemen, in this corner... So he sounded like one of the chips. Yeah, he hit the, the elevated nasal. It was perfect, man. It was so perfect. But I want to ask what your thoughts were on the event because it was just a lot of malfunction at the junction. And then you had the poor, unfortunate situation uh, with, with Kerry Von Erich, who wasn't up. I mean, he he worked the match, but, you know, there was a lot of things about backstage with him cutting himself and not being himself. I mean, he had a rough period in his life at that time. I mean, that's been well documented, so I'm not going to uh, throw any shade on him or anything, but it was a, a pretty rough period. And, and what do you remember from this Super Clash? Because the main event was a rather gory event with Kerry and, and Lawler for the title. Well, keep in mind that my perspective is totally different than anyone else's because I'm on the ring shooting photographs. Mm-hmm. So I'm not looking at what you know, if Kerry's performance wasn't up to par, et cetera, these type of things. I'm looking at it in a, as a photographer and getting the best shots. So I don't see, once I'm photographing something, <coughs> excuse me, unless I see a videotape of it afterwards, uh, from way back, I'm talking about when it was all VHS, uh, unless I saw that, I really couldn't tell the quality of the match or the, the guys that were wrestling in the match, except from the crowd reaction. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, it, it was, you know, Kerry was on, uh, on a downslide. Um, and, uh, um, it was a big night, um, for, if I remember correctly, that was when they merged the two titles, yep. uh, AWM world-class championship wrestling. And, uh, uh, it seemed to me that it was going to be a really, really good merger. But uh, as you mentioned, it kind of went in the toilet afterwards. But uh, I just I remember it being a big event. I can't tell you that I saw all these various things going wrong because I wasn't that's not what I was looking sure. at when I was there. 
You were look. Yeah, you mean you were you were doing doing your job. Uh, I was covering matches. I was doing interviews. Yep. I was shooting pictures. I was lost in my own thing of what I had to do. And yeah, and that had to be just a, 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 a quite a demand. I mean, when they I see you uh, through the matches through the years. I mean, I know that there's got you doing God knows how many different things. You're like the Swiss Army knife of pro wrestling journalism here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I, one of the one of your projects. Oh, go ahead. That's a great description. And one one of the you know one of the things when you mentioned Kerry Von Erich at the first parade of champions, uh, when he won the belt from Ric Flair, it was about 102 degrees in the sun there. Mm-hmm. And back then there was a film a thing around called film that you had to put into a camera to take pictures. <laughs> and I remember trying to change film to put in a new role during the matches, and it was so hot there the film was like sweating. It was impossible to hold on to it. It was. Very daunting, but it, it was a great, uh, great time. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was just going to go in because we only have a little bit of time left uh, of our get together this time around. Of course, uh, you're always welcome to come back. I mean, the door is always I, open I, for I, Mr. I to do that. Uh, I want to have uh, your thoughts because a couple of years ago, I was uh, I was in Philly, Philadelphia with the wife. Uh, she was uh, on one of her. Uh, she had a conference, so I was uh, had some downtime. So when I wasn't out walking and stuff, I ended up in, uncovering some uh, on YouTube. Uh, somebody had posted some of the older episodes of the Pro Wrestling This Week program. And I grew up in the part of Minnesota where we didn't get this show. So this was like a whole treasure trove of stuff. Of course, Pro Wrestling This Week was uh, a, a great way to, uh, for the fan to get informed about what was going on all around the, uh, you know, the territory circuit and the WWF, NWA, etc. The, the, the video version of it. Yes. Yeah. Now, how did that come about with you, uh, you know, getting hooked up, you and the PWI staff getting hooked up to take segments for the program, and how did you come across with, uh, or meet up with Joe Pettacino? There's another guy that kind of gets forgotten in the story of wrestling. Yeah, great question. Joe was doing uh, uh, pro wrestling this week, and uh, I had met him at one of the shows, and we started talking, and he said, uh, uh, he said, I'm getting videotapes from everyone, but not from Jim Crockett. He said, I know you have a great relationship with the Crockett's. Do you think you could talk to Jimmy Crockett? And I talked to Jimmy, and that worked out eventually. And then uh, uh, Joe said, you know, I see on TV a lot. But you want to do a segment on our on our pro wrestling this week? And maybe you can, you know, publicize us in the magazines. And it was a great mutual deal. And Joe was a great guy, as was Bonnie Blackstone, his lady. And uh, that's how that's how that happened. And that was on WPIX in New York, which was like a superstation, like uh, TBS. So many places all around the United States got that. And it helped put me on the map in a lot of ways because I would go to different territories to shoot pictures and people would say, hey, we saw you on pro wrestling this week. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, that was great. And uh, I had already been doing these segments on the Jim Crockett promotions uh so fans were seeing me through there so i always wanted to be a uh a wrestling broadcaster not a play-by-play guy an interviewer like i did on the crockett segments there um and i'm still doing that as you see uh at the various conventions uh on a lot of the indie uh tv shows and uh wherever i can Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we talked about some some great announcers of the past. Uh, it wasn't too long ago that uh, the wrestling world lost one of the truly one of the all time greats. When we talk about professional wrestling, and thanks to the YouTube generation, we've been able to get a lot more uh, of him. 
on on the screen from what you know people missed during the days when we didn't have widespread cable. We're talking about a guy who just when you think about Memphis, you think about Jerry Lawler, you maybe think about Dundee, but I think you maybe think Lance Russell right up head and shoulders, even sometimes above those guys, even up there with Jackie Fargo as far as a memorable personality, a guy yes. that is connected with the people for so many years. And we, we had news here uh, not too long ago of his passing. But let me tell you, what a, what a long-lived, happy life and up until the point of when he passed for, for Lance Russell. I mean, God, you want to talk about the cream of the crop. You you get some people who want to be interested in being an announcer or watch it. You go, you point them in the direction of watching old Memphis and how much fun Lance had with the, those TV shows. Yeah. You see, the great sign of a great announcer, of a great broadcaster, is when you say his name, you hear his voice. So as soon as you said Lance Russell, mm-hmm. got his voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whenever I hear his name, I get the awe. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, uh, I was so dear, close friends with Gordon Soley. I still miss him. Gordon and I were the hosts of the uh, very first pro wrestling VHS tape ever done, Lords of the Ring. Oh, that's and, a, that's a uh, classic. And Lords of the Rings, rather. Yep. And uh, uh, it was just awesome working with him, and I, I miss him very much. Mm-hmm. Indeed, a proboscis has been broken. And we'll be right back. Mm-hmm. And what are the, I mean, again, there's another guy that you can talk about. Thanks again. Now, for the last couple of years, these old tape traders have had a place to uh, put some of their wares. Yeah, I ain't going to talk about the legalese on that because that's for, uh, not for me, but you're able to see uh, through these VHS tapes, these uh, on YouTube now. Georgia Championship Wrestling, you know, from 1982. You get to go go down to Memphis and watch some of the old Saturday show that they had. Or you can go down to Continental, you know. You can watch that. You can watch Championship Wrestling from Florida. Sure, sure. It's just an amazing avenue for people. I mean, I think it's just the perfect balance where you get the WWE Network you have YouTube and maybe maybe a Daily Motion or, or or another little boutique thing of some kind, and you have your pro wrestling diet there, man. I mean, you could get pretty uh, pro wrestling obese from all that viewing. I mean, it's such a wonderful thing. It reminds me of the way wrestling was during the boom part of the '80s when there was sometimes what up to you know eighteen, fifteen, eighteen, even twenty hours of wrestling on per week in some markets. See, and I loved the mystery of not being able to see a lot of territories on TV when I was growing up. In New York, we got the uh, Vince McMahon Senior Shows. We got Bedlam from Boston. Mm -hmm. uh, And then uh, with a UHF antenna, millennials Google that, uh, (laughs) we get uh, some shows from uh, uh, Puerto Rico. uh, But we got the shows from the Olympic Auditorium, which is where I first discovered one of my favorite wrestlers, Mil Mascaras, uh, from the Olympic shows. So, yeah, I, I kind of now I see everything's available, but it used to be, man, I'd love to get a tape from Japan to see what that looks like. But now you can go to YouTube, put in wrestling from Japan. and You got it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because back in the day, there was that wonderment of, of, of the tape trading business. I mean, I mean, it was like the pro wrestling pen pals that was featured in the Weston magazines. Yes. There was things that made yes. connections with it was a good way of networking, but also a good way of giving people who who wanted to do wanted to see something, you know, like AWA or they wanted to trade for a Portland yes. tape because they heard of Buddy Rose and, and Dynamite Kid doing their thing out there. They could. Can you see can you see if they brought back pen pals in a magazine today? Uh, that people would have to check out their 
social security numbers and their uh, background checks and <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> oh, and you guys did that for uh, a few years. Uh, uh, was it in late 70s? Done before I was there. Stanley Weston did that before I was there. I took that over for a few years when uh, when I got into the company at the end of 1970. Oh, that's amazing. Now, we got w- one more quick little thing to talk about before uh, I, I let you out. You got, I can already hear your stomach rumbling over there, sir. It's no, no, a- I'm good. Okay. I'm good. I'm enjoying this. Okay. I want to talk about this. I mean, we mentioned um, Memphis, and of course, uh, the last time you hold were on, on the. Hold on, wait. I got a cell phone call here. Hello? George Shire, why aren't you on the show with us? Oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> it, no, it was Roy Shire that I feuded with. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Now you know what it's all about. Okay. He yeah. thought, yeah, he thought I had, that oh, he man. had heat with me. It was the old promoter in San Francisco, Roy Shire. Oh, man. Did somebody get short on a payoff and we didn't... I mean, we, I guess I don't know. Oh don't know. man, alive! But I want to talk about you know we talked about the Memphis connection uh, when we last uh, spoke with you. You uh, gave us the good story uh, of how you were able to network and get Andy Kaufman connected with Jerry Lawler, and yes. just recently, and now Netflix has bought the rights for this, so uh, we should be seeing this uh, on streaming services sometime soon. But Jim Carrey had recently released a documentary called Jim and Andy that documented the actor's experience playing Andy in the uh, Milos Forman biopic man on the moon and there's a whole bunch of video for this that they shot at the time i remember interviewing bob zamuda and he was telling me about this a couple of years ago well yeah jim really went all in uh playing a method character kind of doing the method acting that andy would do sometimes with his various characters that andy had you know in his repertoire but uh, have you heard anything about this have you uh, had a chance to I take a not, screening in I have not. i'm still waiting on a documentary there was a company from uh some foreign country that did a documentary and came down to Aptor's Alley probably about uh, uh, three or four years ago, and they're still working on this documentary. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't know. Yeah, Jim and Andy, put that, get that in your 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 radar, or do a Google search because it, they just released it, and and as soon as they they put it out, you know, through the film festival circuit, you know, those sort of short short runs uh, at various theaters select through the country. It wasn't very long that Netflix had 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 bought this up, and Netflix. Netflix showing some pro wrestling love these days. If uh, we want to yeah. talk about in the present, sure. both Glow. with yeah, with the relaunch of or the show Glow, which is an excellent, uh, excellent uh, you know scripted uh, comedy. I mean, it was a lot more than what I had thought, uh, and I think that has been a critical darling. And being able to uh, last year procure the rights for Lucha Underground, some of the old episodes yes. to get people yes. engaged yes. in that product too. And so do you know that Chavo Guerrero, um, Chavo Guerrero Jr is um involved in glow and also in lucha underground so it's amazing that it's uh, so he's doing so much with the with these products yeah so many uh, uh things to watch and again we got where do you got where does a guy get the time yeah yeah absolutely. well it looks like our time is uh running short i i do believe uh you wanted to uh get out and get your get your meal in well if we if, if you have another question or two i'm uh, i'm Okay. I'm game. I do want to mention that, uh, and thank you for mentioning this at the beginning, but uh, my my book is Wrestling Fixed. I didn't know it was broken. Turns two years old on October 15th. and uh, A toddler. I appreciate, yeah, and I appreciate all the people that have gotten the book and the audio book. If you don't have the audio book and you read the book, the audio book, I do imitations of all the wrestlers. <laughs> I, you, you get the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, you get Bruno San Martino. <laughs> 
you get Terry Funk after <laughs> you get everybody. So uh, uh, that's. But I want to thank everybody for uh, doing that and for also uh, following me on Twitter at Actor One Wrestling. That's the number one, not the not the word. No. And uh, yeah, I love. I still love what I do, and until uh, uh, they don't let me do it anymore, or I can't do it mentally or physically. Wonderful Willie is here to stay, if you will. Oh, and we are better better having you out, you know, preserving pro wrestling history and covering some of the new product, too. I want to talk about something about old and everything old is new again. You're seeing a, a lot today in pop culture with television shows that have relaunched and other little things that have been brought back. Wait, wait, wait. wait. What, what is television? Is that something you watch on your cell phone? No, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it's this amazing thing. You watch it, these thing, places called living rooms or rec wow. rooms. Yeah, they're oh, fascinating really? stuff, dude. It'll knock you out. But uh, anyway, I want to talk about the Everything Old is New Again uh, theme when, in regards to the National Wrestling Alliance and Billy Corgan. Of course, that is another one of these latest news uh, headlines that has really uh, gotten some people interested in it. I mean, Billy Corgan has, uh, for a couple of years now, I mean, we've known this for many years, Bill, what a big pro wrestling fan that Billy has been yep. and how I and what great... At a teen, an old TNA show and interviewed him, and he knew me before I knew he, who he was. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. has this this great knowledge, and he's had a chance. He 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 initially got his feet wet with the uh, Revolution Pro Company out of uh, Chicago. Yeah, I and, remember. Mm-hmm. And then I remember seeing him at a show in uh, Minneapolis during one of those uh, zombie pub crawls. Uh, he was uh, they had the Revolution uh, cameras there. They did a show at one of these bars, and Billy was out there wearing a. He had, it was a Halloween night, so he had this big like neon green wig on, and he was wearing all black. And it's like Billy, I think I know that's you, pal. <laughs> <laughs> but he did the TNA stuff which unfortunately with Impact Wrestling that ended a rather sour and a lot of misdirection and a lot again legalese that uh, yeah it was became... called the wrestling business mm-hmm, not wrestling friends right. <laughs> yeah well the thing is now Billy has rebounded and has uh, bought basically the, 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 the remnants of, of what is the National Wrestling Alliance and he's got some plans he had in a recent article he's talked about kind of uh, what his battle plan would be. Uh, you know, of course, you can only think so far ahead, but he definitely has a vision of what he wants with this product. Now, is, is this a case of too little, too late? Or do you think there's a guy like a Billy Corgan with Dave Lagana doing some of the writing and behind-the-scenes stuff for him? Do you think that Billy Corgan could be on to something? Or do you think, and do you think this could possibly lead, maybe, I don't know, with the way global force is going these days, could it be a return to everything old is new again? Inevitably, if things worked out in a parallel universe, that they could be uh, NWA TNA again or NWA Impact Wrestling again? Because Billy Corgan has big plans for this. This isn't just a couple of local regional territories just paying the dues and keeping the name. I mean, understand he- something. The word "old" is not something that he needs to bring into the into the mix because that right away turns off the millennial fans oh that's old stuff mm-hmm. oh it's you know it's from the 1940s and it was established and these old guys were the champions they need to make the national wrestling alliance uh a new type of brand and but more importantly than any of this to make this work is one key the reason that the wwe is so successful is that they have televised product everywhere no matter where you go in the world they've got it there and they've got it all over uh, mm. uh, 
electronic media, digital media, etc. So to compete with or become that other company, you really have to have the same media, television, net uh, universe that the WWE has. You you have to get onto a a, a station that are that everybody is watching and come up with some way to make this interesting to the current fans, mm-hmm. not to the fans that were back then, you know, that we got to bring back the NWA fans. It's, That's it's, not what this should be about. This should be back. We need to bring this brand national wrestling Alliance into prominence with a new flavor, a new set of eye, new sets of eyes to come yeah. upon it. And yeah, I mean, the millennials, the, the young people don't want to hear about Sam much, Nick. No, no, and, and you know, and that's because there it's it's they have to have their moment in their generation, and, and with uh, with what I've been reading from uh, the NWA thing, uh, what Billy was looking at, and and I guess he's kind of got an eye on probably what's going on with with the way television has become in the last couple of years with the online world and the world of streaming. He's uh, really one of the things he one of the main stables or one of the big fence posts of this is online penetration. I mean, we talked about cross the board selling, but he wants to uh, work a lot with the online, but. That's something that's a, a, a constant commitment, and you know that just from doing your stuff at OneWrestling.com. Yeah, but keep in mind that as much as um, uh, everybody's talking about online, there's a very large section of inner cities that don't have online and watch wrestling. But they do have cable TV in their house, mm-hmm. so they can watch WWE. Mm-hmm. Um so they have to cater to an audience that they can reach both by television and by electronic media. Mm-hmm. Now, what's your take on, on the Lucha Undergrounds and the ROHs these days? I mean, uh, post-Sinclair Broadcasting, because ROH definitely got a nice bit of wind under their sails with the Sinclair and all of the stations they own across uh, the country in, in many sure. key markets. Should I think... Uh, I love the product. I love Lucha Underground also. But again, they have they have their dedicated fan base. So they're keeping their their own universes very secure. Um, I don't know if Ring of Honor wants to break out and try and compete with WWE. Same thing with Lucha Underground. Uh, I think it's complete. I think it's suicide for anyone that what I used to hate and I used to laugh at is promoters that would come over to me and we have a lot of money and we're going to put Vince out of business. Ha <laughs> Biggest laugh I ever got. No one's ever going to do that. No one's going to come along and do that at all. So keep your own shop, so to say, mm-hmm. get your own fans and do your own thing. And if you're making money out of it and people are coming to see you, then you're doing the right thing. Listen, uh, people out there, This comes; these words come from a man who has seen many of the changes in the pro wrestling business uh, since he's been covering it, since he's been watching it, even as a kid. And uh, yeah, you almost get these old shivers. I mean, when you talk about guys and promoters and stuff, they just, they want to, they want to knock Vince out of the water. But again, yeah. they've been doing this ever since Vince wanted to have his visions of expansion. And I mean, look at, uh, I mean, they tried this so many times. We talked about the AWA with the Super Clash 3 project. But before that, there was the pro wrestling. USA stuff where they had they they had the stars and they had the promoters but these guys could these guys couldn't order lunch that that right that didn't work because all the promoters every one of them wanted to be the leader nobody agreed with anyone else 
It's terrible. Yeah, and then it got to be where, you know, where they knew things were going bad, and then you'd start to see where guys, promoters like Jim Crockett, God bless him, because he's got a business to run, he was starting to take some of the talent, too, from from, from Vern as well. So Vern, uh, he gets into this project because he wants to kind of, you know, stop the bleeding just a little bit because of of, of what the guys that have left for Vince. And then he gets, uh, you know, Jim Crockett in here taking guys like the Road Warriors off his hands and having yeah. them move on to bigger paydays. You know, the big battle was Crockett and, and Vince, and I really thought both of them would survive, but uh, it didn't happen. No, and and we now, should talk about that next time I come in here. We should talk about that because I was down at Jim Crockett Promotions a lot. Oh, that sounds like a good tease for another another uh, guest appearance for you, Mr. After. And as we go, we were talking off of Mike a little bit. I got to meet your dog, and uh, I was talking about my dogs, and I, I told you that uh, my youngest dog was uh, named Tandy after the main character of Will Forte plays on The Last Man on Earth. And we, you kind of brought up a question that about being a last man on earth and pertain, that pertains to wrestling. Now, what was that? Let's talk a little bit about that. And you had a a, a really good answer for. Uh, yeah, I think if 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 the if there was a complete bombing of everywhere and there was only one person, if it was in a, as a wrestler, it has to be a wrestler, and if only one person in the world survived this huge bombing and nuclear, everything, who would that be? You know who I would pick? Oh, he's dead, but Herb Abrams. No, no, Herb Abrams. (laughs) Oh, my God. I I had to throw you a curve, man. Abrams. No, I would pick uh, Braun Strowman. He'd be the last man on Earth. He'd be too tough tough to... uh, um, I get wiped out by everything else in the world. What about you? Who would you think? God, you that think? is such a good question. It's one of those I've never really ever been approached with. Uh, who would I have for the last man on earth? Uh, you know what? I'm going to go because he's a Midwest boy. He's farm tough. In fact, he has his own farm. I want to talk about the man. He he's, People give him a little bit of flack because they call him a part-timer, but he's he's big money. His, his name I is Brock Lesnar. Yeah, of course, Barack Lesnar, <laughs> or Crusher and Bruiser in a big pile of beer. That that work too, wouldn't it? Yeah, that that probably would work because he he'd ignore the uh, the bombs and everything. Glenn, thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely, again. it's been uh, a wonderful uh, time together, and you're definitely welcome back. We'll have to book something here uh, late 2017, maybe early 2018, uh, when both of our schedules are are working in sync in Sepatico. And by the way, for your fans. Uh, Back East here, who are listening to this on uh, October 21st, I will be at the uh, Legends of the Ring convention in Cranberry, New Jersey, and I'll have books for sale and uh, shaking hands and smiling, but I'm not running for office. No kissing babies? No kissing babies. Yeah, no, I kiss babies too, but I'm not running for office. Okay, okay, we want to get that out of the way. I want to thank you again for taking time out of the uh, schedule, the busiest, busy man. I mean, he, whether he's taking photos, he's making videos, he's going into his archives. Bill After. And I have a daytime job too. This guy's a superman. Bill After. Man, it was a fun time uh, catching up with you See again, you my friend. Too. See you at the matches. Thank you. For Wrestling Memories, I'm Glenn Broggett. Bye-bye now.